بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا إن جاءكم فاسق بنبأ فتبينوا أن تصيبوا قوما بجهالة فتصبحوا على ما فعلتم نادمين وقال تبارك وتعالى إنما المؤمنون إخوة فأصلحوا بين أخويكم وقال تبارك وتعالى مثل الذين ينفقون أموالهم في سبيل الله كمثل حبة أنبتت سبع سنابل في كل سنبلة مئة حبة والله يضايف لمن يشاء والله واسع عليم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم السخي قريب من الله قريب من الجنة قريب من الناس بعيد من النار والبخيل بعيد من الله بعيد من الجنة بعيد من الناس قريب من النار أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والتسليم صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين My most beloved Olamai Karam elders and brothers and those listening over the receivers All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is our creator, our nourisher, our sustainer, our provider whom we are totally dependent on Peace and salutations be upon our beloved master, Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Especially today, in the light of what is happening in the world around us, it's very difficult for us to talk about any other thing and for us to discuss something else. We have to remind ourselves and, and talk about the reality of the current situation that the Muslim Ummah is facing. After all, Allah wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةٌ That all the believers unto one another are like brothers. And what that indicates to like how if one of, if you have a family, if one person of your family is going through difficulty, then you also feel the pain, you sympathize, you feel sorry, you want to see how you can help. And the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, we always hear that examples given that al-mu'minuna, the believers unto one another are like one body. Like one body, if a certain part of your body has a, a pain or injury, then the whole body is restless. You won't say, okay, that's your baby toe. So now that means the rest of your body carries on. Even though it's your baby toe, the whole body is restless. So like that, the Prophet if your eye is paining, the whole body is restless, it's uneasy, the whole body feels uncomfortable. So the believers, no matter which part of the world they are in, if they are going through any form of difficulties and hardships, we have to feel the pain. Another example the Prophet gave, he says, the believers unto one another are like a building. The blocks, the bricks put unto each another, they support each another. One of those bricks are missing, there's a problem for their entire building. So like that now, Believers unto one another, they are like one body. We have to feel, feel the pain, we have to sympathize, and we have to now strategize and think how can we assist them? What can we do from our side? Maybe we are thousands of kilometers away from people who are going through difficulties and hardships. 
which is sometimes perhaps unimaginable. In this day and age, when we talk about the advanced day or 21st century person and these type of atrocities, these type of oppression is being meted out, sometimes we begin to think and ask ourselves, are we really human beings? Are these people who have intellect that are behaving in this way, that are carrying out these actions? And therefore, in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there was a time which is known as Jahiliya. And sometimes when we read the book of history, we think those people, that was 1400 years ago, they were in a time of ignorance. And we always quote the example and we say, you know, they used to fight wars over petty things. And the example they give is, like if there was a watering place, and if one person's animal went there before the other tribe's animal, then wars were fought and people lost their lives. And we always used to think, hey, that was those people, look at how foolish, how silly they were fighting wars over something like that. And we hear in the Quran, Allah says, وَإِذَا الْمَوْدَةُ السُّئِلَتْ They used to bury their children alive. The baby, if the baby was born, it's a girl. See, they just buried this girl alive. And we talk about this practices of jahiliya. People were you know, doing such ignorant actions. And now when you start to reflect and think, in this day and age, we, we talk about the advanced age. People ought to be more uh, educated, more advanced in their thinking. And they think that we have moved away now. That was ignorance. And in this day and age, now we have advanced. But we're still seeing perhaps a worse form of jahiliya practices being meted out on human beings. Their buildings are being dropped. Our women are being massacred. And children, we can't even, the figures also we, we, we can't keep track of how much people are being massacred and being killed on a daily basis and what type of um, 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 bombs are being sent on these people, innocent children. It's mind-boggling. And we begin to think, have we gone worse than the time of Jahiliya? So as fellow Muslims, as we said, we may be thousands of kilometers away, but we have to sympathize and feel sorry for the situation that they are in and see, see what can we do from our side to assist them. Obviously, we always sing it all the time, and that is actually our most powerful weapon that we have, and that is the weapon of dua. That is the most powerful uh, weapon that we have, and that is something we can automatically start using. We don't have to wait for any clearance, and that is each individual, even while they're sitting right now, right here, he connects his heart with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and from the deep, bottom recesses of his heart makes an earnest dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate and assist those people. That is like our most important fundamental thing that we ought to have been doing already if we haven't been doing it. So I'm not going to go into a discussion about that for today. We hope inshallah that everybody sitting here they are remembering not only those people, any part of the world, whoever is going through difficulties and oppression is being meted out upon them that Allah tabarak wa ta'ala assists them and remove those difficulties and helps those people. Then together with that, as I said, we have limited time, so I'm trying to give different dimensions and aspects for us to think about. So maybe at the end of my discussion, I'd want you to forget the first point of the weapon of our believer is uh, the are that we have to keep making every day. And do not lose hope. Have our confidence that Allah is in charge of all matters and affairs. And inshallah through our du'as, the help of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala will most certainly and definitely come down. Then secondly, unfortunately the reality of the world that we're living in now, 
we are bombarded with information. And the information that comes to us, we have to be extremely, extremely careful about how that information is coming to us because it's influencing our thought. And we are reaching now conclusions and something making deductions. If you know somebody is a habitual liar, he always speaks lies, and he comes and tells you something, you know, for example, without a doubt, this person, one, two, three, twenty, fifty, hundred times he spoke lies, without any doubt, you know he's a liar, and he comes and tells you something, automatically you're going to now think twice when he tells you something for the other and one time, if he told you other times, spoke lies. He made up something, he's known as a liar. So automatically the information that he's going to give you, there's a big question mark around that, the authenticity, the reliability. And if a person wants you to think in a certain way, he's going to keep filtering and giving you such information that makes you think in a certain way. Information is again very, very doubtful. Now why I'm saying this? We are in living in an age where it's very easy for us to get information, to get news. All we do, we just take out your phone and you're clicking there in, in the search bar, news on this and news on that, and the information that then comes to us, we then start reading that information. So our thoughts and what we think about what is happening and our sometimes the judgments that we make has a very strong link with the sources of the information, how the information is coming to us. So if that information is controlled by reliable people, authentic people, trustworthy people, then we can say for sure, read that information, some type of uh, decision you can make, some type of thought process, some action can follow. But if that information that is coming to us is through doubtful means, and we cannot, we don't know who is putting that information, then I recited the ayah of the Quran for us to think about this in the light of what is happening in the world around us. If you're going to go and even you go on, on, on a television and you're checking on the news, who is controlling, what information they bring in, who is, what is the source of the information, what is the narrative, the, who is making up the story, the, the information that is there, how are they filtering, what type of words they're using. So the Prophet, uh, the, 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 uh, in the time of the Prophet wasallam, there was a person by the name of Haris bin Dirar. He actually a father-in-law of Rasulullah sallallahu because his daughter Juwira radiallahu ta'ala anha was married to the Prophet sallallahu So he belonged to a tribe by the name of Banu uh, Mustaliq. So he came to the Prophet sallallahu and the Prophet sallallahu gave him dawah and they spoke and he accepted Islam. And he was going back to his tribe. I'm not going to all the details, I'm just giving the crux, the point of what I'm trying to get to. So he accepted Islam and the arrangement between him and the Prophet ﷺ was that on a certain date, he will now make arrangements with his people, encourage them about the collection of zakah. So on that date, Prophet ﷺ will send somebody and then that zakat will be given over to that person and it will be sent to the Prophet ﷺ. So arrangements were made. Haris bin Dirar went back to his tribe, Banu Mustalik. He spoke to them, gave them da'wah, mashallah, many of them accepted Islam, etc. Encouraged them to pay the, the zakah, whatever uh, monetary obligations. He had it collected. And on that specific date that arrangements were made with him and Rasulullah he was waiting for somebody to come and to collect it. The Prophet dispatched a person, a sahabi by the name of Walid ibn Uqba. He said to Walid, 
go to Haris bin Dirad and his tribe, but the Mustalik, they have something, and uh, some monies or whatever it is, and they need you to collect it. So Walid ibn Uqba, there are different narrations. Either along the way, he started to think that, you know what, myself and that tribe, we have some type of hatred and animosity between us. Some narration has, he went there, and he saw all those people have gathered there together. So he started to think, I have some animosity with these people, maybe they're gathering there, they want to catch me and take me to task, or kill me, or punish me for something that I did previously with them, some type of problem he had with them previously. So he now started to think in those lines, and he never go to uh, Haris bin Dirar and the Banu Mustalik. He came back to the Prophet wasallam. And he said to the Prophet ﷺ that those people are refusing to, to fulfill that obligation and responsibility. Prophet ﷺ, when he hears this, he's surprised. Sometimes he got a little bit upset. I had a arrangement with those people and now they're refusing. But the Prophet ﷺ, before acting, he called Khalid ibn Walid radiallahu anhu. And he said to Khalid ibn Walid, just go and check. How come those people had an arrangement? But now this person is saying they're refusing, they don't want to do, go and check. So Khalid ibn Walid went. So again, there are the variations in narrations. But some, some narration has that Haris bin Dira, when he realized that nobody is coming, the appointment date is there, let me go to the Prophet So he is coming to the Prophet Khalid ibn Walid is going to him to check what is happening and they meet along the way. So Haris bin Dira asked him, where are you going to? He said, I'm going uh, to you because this is what the Prophet said. He said, well, see, I got all these things, I'm going to the Prophet Another reason has, Nabi said, Khalid bin Walid said, go there and observe those people. So he went and he observes them from a distance. He said, those people, they look like they collected some amount of whatever it was, animals and funds. They're performing their salah, they look like good Muslims. And he came back to the Prophet and accordingly gave a report. So Allah tabarak wa ta'ala revealed these verses of the Qur'an. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, O you who believe. So this ayah of the Qur'an was revealed in the Prophet but Qur'an is still the day of Qiyamah. The lesson is for us very important. Linked to what I was telling you, the source of our information is very crucial and fundamental. Forget about acting even before we start thinking about some uh, conclusion. Say, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, O you who believe. In ja'akum fasiqun That if a person brings some information to you Fatabayyanu Fatabayyanu Investigate Think carefully first Otherwise lest what will happen And tusibu qawmam If the Prophet ﷺ didn't sort of investigate Verify that information Check up what's happening What would have happened Perhaps there would have been a big war People have lost lives And there would have been He says Allah mentions in the Quran and to see you come on bijahalatin, fatus bihu ala ma faaltum nadimin. And what would have happened? You would have done something that is very hard, perhaps impossible to fix. You would have done something that you will regret. So that's my point of talking about the information that comes to us linking to the ayat of the Quran. Information, the sources of our information, obviously is in the control of people who don't have our or the interest of Islam at heart. So obviously the narrative, the story that they are relating and the information that they are giving to us is going to be questionable and tainted. Hence, us as the people who are getting and trying to access that information, we have to have special type of filters in place to be able to filter that information and to think carefully 
about what is the source of information and how are they portraying that information before we even start thinking. So we hope, inshallah, in the light of the environment we're living nowadays, we are very, very careful and we are on guard with regards to this. So coming back, I said the first point about dua. Let us not forget dua. Second point I'm talking about is verification of information and being very careful and selective about the information and the sources. And although I'm talking about in the context of the world that we're living, but we can even apply it in our, even our domestic life at home. You know, somebody, one son comes and tells you something, and you want to now immediately go, he told you, the other son did this to me, or my, your daughter did this to you, to that person. We must hold back and just be careful before we reach conclusion. Or sometimes the, we are biased. Your daughter, example, let give you an example. Your daughter comes to you and tells you and complains about the son-in-law. He's doing this and doing that. Now because it's your daughter, the emotions get the better of you and you start taking her sides and sometimes the information is incorrect. It could be correct, but the point is, we have to be very careful, otherwise you'll end up doing something and you're angry. This is what he's doing. This is what happened. And you'll do something. You're going to regret. So be very, very careful and selective before we reach any conclusion. Point number three. And perhaps I'm going to spend the rest of my discussion. Maybe before I go to that point number three, I've got another point number four. Point number three is, yes, we have to adopt the means. And Prophet wasallam adopted the means himself. He trained the Sahaba Ikram. Allah mentions the Quran, So we shouldn't be thinking that, okay, if we have a big army, or we have lots of people on our sides, you know, the numbers are great, then that most certainly is going to be a cause of drawing the help of Allah and we're going to gain victory. We should keep reminding ourselves, it is not about the uh, quantity. What is important is quality. The quality of our iman and our connection with Allah Taala is what we need. It's not that we need big, big armies or much people. And this could be supported by two incidents, which quickly I'm just going to browse through. In the battle of Badr, Prophet Sallallahu and the Sahaba were 313, 313 ill-equipped, smaller in number, and the Kuffar were 1,000, well-equipped, three times, more than three times how much they were. But Allah mentions, وَلَقَدَ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ بِبَدْرِهُ وَأَنْتُمْ Allah's help came to the Sahaba Ikram, even though they were low, they were less in number, Allah granted them victory, the quality was very, very important. The quality of the iman and the quality of the effort that they made in connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought the help of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. So we also have to keep reminding ourselves what is the quality of our connection and relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that the help of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala can come down. I'm not discounting the importance of making effort and you know, having our means, in, uh, whatever is the means that we need to have. Second incident, Allah makes mention in the Quran, he says, وَيَوْمَ حُنَيْنِ A battle that took place 7 to 8 year. Our battle of Badr was 2nd year. 7 to 8 year of Hijri was a battle of Hunain. And at that time the Sahaba Ikram numbered close to 14,000. Now compare 313 and they easily won. Allah made them gain victory. Now when it came to Hunain, they are 14,000. Naturally, they would have started to think, now we 14,000 people, inshallah, it would be easy for us to gain victory. So Allah mentioned, For a short moment, maybe a small moment of time, they started to think, and the minds went to the fact that they have numbers now. 
And because of the numbers, it will be an easy battle for us. And therefore, we're going to get victory very, very easily. So Allah says, Ajabatkum kathratukum. The numbers started to make them a little bit more pleased and maybe get more confidence. Allah says, Falam ankum shay'a. That fact that they had more didn't mean automatically they're going to get victory and get the assistance of Allah Taala. وَضَاقَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَرْضُ بِمَا رَهُمْ بَثُمَّ وَلَيْتُمْ مُدْبِرِينَ And then Allah mentioned ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَيْهِ وَأَيَّدَهُ Then the help of Allah Taala came and the Sakinah from Allah Taala came. So in the context of what is happening around us, first, number one, dua. Number two, maybe verify before we amplify. Think and verify the information. Number three is the quality, which is very, very important as opposed to quantity. And the quality means quality of our iman and the relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the last point, and take us to the end, is sometimes a thought might go through our minds that I'm helping. In the beginning of the year, there was Turkey, and I helped. Then there was Morocco, and I helped. And then there was Libya, and I helped. And together with that, there is all this day, almost every single second, third day, somebody is coming and asking for help, or I... I, I, I think I need to help. So I thought might go through across, uh, might go through our mind that now how much must I help? Like a, maybe in English they, they term it as you might think of a, like a donor fatigue might overcome us. Naudu billah. Like people might think that the donors people who are giving they're tired. How much are they going to give? So we have to keep reminding ourselves of a couple of points. Number one, whatever we have is not ours. لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ You're a billionaire, a millionaire, you've got five rand or five million or five billion. It is not ours. It's a trust from Allah that He gave us the ability to use it in this world. In fact, as soon as we die, it goes back to Allah and the system of Allah decides how it must be distributed. So keep reminding ourselves that the wealth that we have, it came from Allah, it belongs to Allah, and we will use it in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number one. Number two, when we are helping somebody, we need to clear our minds that it is not me, the donor, doing a favor to the person that is receiving or that organization that is receiving or that masjid that is receiving. I'm not doing them a favor. Clear our minds. They are doing me a favor. If I give somebody money, if I give him 100 rand, 500 rand, 5,000 rand, 5 million rand, never for a moment think I did him a favor. He is doing me a favor. How come? Number one, he has given me an opportunity of earning reward. Prophet ﷺ has mentioned as sahiyu I mentioned the hadith of Prophet ﷺ. A person that is generous is qareebun min Allah. He is close to Allah. Qareebun min al-jannah. He is close to jannah. Qareebun min al-nas. He comes close to Allah, uh, to people. Ba'idun min al-nar. He goes far from Allah, tabarak, uh, far from the fire of jahannam. So he has given me opportunity of being generous and getting proximity to Allah, getting proximity to Jannah, proximity to the people. And I am getting reward. If I do one good deed, I'm going to get ten rewards. So I am being given opportunity of earning reward by giving and helping him. So the donor is benefiting more than the person that is receiving because he is getting ajr. And Allah Taala promises in the Quran, مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Person who will spend in the part of Allah Taala, كَمَثَلِ حَبَّةِ is like a grain, a seed that is planted in the ground. When that grain grows, 
كمثل حبة أنبتت سبع سنابل and then there's seven ears في كل سنبلة مئة حبة and each one of these there is a hundred the reward multiplies and the promise of Allah is such that not only in the year after you get reward even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you a replacement in this world there's a beautiful incident mention of Ali radiallahu anh was once sitting outside his house and a beggar person comes by and says, give me for the sake of Allah, give me something, I don't have anything. So he sends his grandsons, uh, sorry, his son, either Hassan or Ali, the grandson of the Prophet go inside. Your mother is there, Fatima radiallahu anh, ask her to give us something. So she, she had six, six coins. And that was after so much of difficulty, she managed to get all that and she was going to buy something for the home. They didn't have food, nothing in their own house. So Hassan or Hussein goes to her and says, Father Ali, our father wants that money, give us some. So she said that, go and tell him that this is now, you know, for our own needs. We haven't eaten for so many days, naturally. So he went, they went back to the father. He said that the iman of a person cannot be regarded as being completed unless and until he has more trust in that which is in the hands of Allah over that which is in his own hands. Now go back to her and tell her to give us all, all six. So they went back, now she was, had to give it, so she gave all six. So Ali radiallahu took the six and he gave it to the beggar, now they got nothing. Not very long after that, somebody else walked by, and he was selling a camel. So Ali radiallahu asked him, what's this camel? What are you doing? Selling it. He said, okay, I'll buy it. How much? 140 dirhams. Ali radiallahu got nothing. He said, okay, I'll pay you. Later, the man agreed, he left his camel and he went away. Ali radiallahu was still sitting there, instead of mentioning Hayat al-Sahaba. Another person walked by, he said, Ali, what is this? Camel, what are you doing? Selling it. You see how much? Say 200. Same time he took the 200, gave it to him. The man took his camel and went away. Ali radiallahu then took the 140. He paid the person that he owed. And he sent the 60 inside to his wife Fatima radiallahu anha. She looks at this surprised, shocked. Where did this come from? So he reminded in the verse of the Quran, Manjabil Hasanati, Falahu Ashram Thaliha. Whoever does one good deed, multiply ten. She gave six, Allah gave sixty in return. So who is the greatest benefactor? Person who gives, he benefits. We need to change the mindset behind. So there are a lot of other points that I wanted to go to, but we are short for time. Also it's important for us to remember that by giving and helping others, we are actually helping our own, making our own akhirah. On the day of Qiyamah, a person who gives sadaqah, he will get shade under the arsh of Allah, wa ta'ala. On the day of Qiyamah, it will be a means of your entry into Jannah. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was once uh, um, in a majlis with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he asked, who amongst you is fasting? So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, I am fasting. Then he asked, who is there that has attended a janazah? Abu Bakr said, I have attended a janazah. Who amongst you has uh, visited a sick? Abu Bakr lifted his hands again. Who amongst you has helped a poor person uh, and given some charity? Abu Bakr lifted his hands up. For all the questions you asked, Abu Bakr lifted his hands up. The Prophet said that that person who has these qualities in him will most certainly enter into paradise. So a person that gives sadaqah and gives charity, Allah wa ta'ala has a special door. In Jannah there are eight doors to enter. One is Babur Rayyan, Ramadan, we talk about there is one door which is known as Babu Sadaqa, which is specially reserved for those people who discharge their charity and give the part of Allah wa ta'ala. So, keeping these factors in mind, the opportunities that arise is for us. So the more opportunities we have, we shouldn't hesitate. 
keep in mind that is a reward for us, Jannah for us. Share under the arsh of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. And Allah will give you ten times minimum more return already in this world. Wallahu yadaifuli ma yasha in the akhirah. How much of more reward you're going to get? Only Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala knows best. And also we are benefiting the community and the society. And the benefits can go on and on and on. Time is up. We make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He gives us the tawfiq of practicing whatever has been said. And I just want to summarize the four points I spoke about. Number one is dua. is our weapon that we have. And we do not need anybody else, anything else. Dua is between you and Allah wa ta'ala. So make sure and try as hard as possible, sincerely as possible, to ensure that we're making lots of dua. Number two, information that is coming to us, we must verify and check it up the sources of information before we amplify and start thinking. Number three, we spoke about the quality that is very, very crucial, the quality of our iman, making effort to improve our relationship and connection with Allah wa ta'ala. And finally, about not becoming despondent as far as helping. Whatever is your capability, whatever is in your um, means, the more opportunities arise, the more we must help, inshallah. Allah wa ta'ala will give you so much more in return and the benefits of that. I spoke about. May Allah wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana. Anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.